0: I believe that the future is bright, and I see that at the end, again, with the help of the government, with the help of the policymakers, and with the help of researchers, innovators, and with the help of universities, technologies are going to be developed, and with the push of the governments, at the end, the climate change is is solvable.
1: day doesn't go by without a story in the news about how global warming is threatening the planet. Left unaddressed, it will change the lives of everyone on Earth within decades. What's the solution? Maybe searching for a single solution is the wrong approach. Maybe the answer is a thousand solutions. A thousand innovations. Today's guest has created one of those innovations. Merdad Mahutian is a co-founder of Carbacrete. They have developed a carbon negative concrete manufacturing process. It actually takes carbon from the atmosphere and puts it in concrete. This is huge since the production of concrete puts up to 5% of all carbon in the atmosphere. This discussion may leave you feeling more optimistic about our ability to address the challenges of global warming. Merdad, welcome to 12 Geniuses. Thank you.
0: Thank you for coming here to Montreal.
1: Let's start out by just talking about your, your company. You are a co-founder of Carbocrete, is that right? Is that right. And tell us about how long has Carbocrete been in business?
0: It was officially incorporated in July 2016. But before July 2016, uh, myself and my business partner, Chris Stern, we were working on the idea of the company for almost one year, one and a half years. So, the whole thing started in 2015, but officially we registered the company in 2016. So, right. it's almost three and a half years, four years. How did you meet Chris? I got my PhD from McGill University, civil engineering department. I worked on that project, how to use basically base material. But after my graduation, I found out that the idea is something revolutionary. It's a good idea. We can use the technology, and we can make it work, and that's why I approached to the McGill guys, and they introduced Chris to me, basically. So we started our partnership back in 2015. I knew the technology, I knew how concrete works, I knew how carbon capture utilities technologies are. I developed the technology, and at the same time, Chris has the very good background of the business development, uh, marketing, and financing, and all of those
1: things. So it was a very
0: good matching basically.
1: And Chris was out in the business community at this point, or was he in academia? Business, yeah. basically.
0: So he was spinning off another company before he was doing Harbacrete. So he was expert in, again, business development and financing and marketing.
1: And you said you have an interest in waste materials, or you were studying how to use waste materials to manufacture things. Can you talk a little bit about that? So it was part of
0: my PhD project. So the idea was to find a waste material or byproduct material that can react with carbon dioxide. So I tried different waste material, iron slag, steel slag, and I tried all of those things to see which one reacts with carbon dioxide. So after lots of testing, after lots of try and errors, I figured out that steel slag has the capacity to react with carbon dioxide. And when it happened, we noticed that, okay, when steel slag reacts with carbon dioxide, it generates some strength. Strength development happened. And we said, okay, let's then use that benefit to produce some construction materials. And that's why we said that, okay, let's re- remove uh, all of the cement from concrete and then replace it with the steel slag. So that's why the idea. So first we figured out that the steel slag is a material that reacts with CO2. And also, we figure out that it has a binding properties. It can be activated by carbon dioxide. And at the end, we can produce some construction material.
1: It's interesting. I think cement and concrete are used interchangeably by a lot of people. But there is a distinction. Maybe you could talk about what that distinction yeah, is. Yeah, definitely. So cement is the main
0: ingredients for production of concrete. Concrete is a mix of few raw materials like aggregate, water, cement, admixture. So the combination of cement, water, aggregates, is is a something that is called concrete. So let's say imagine you want to make a cake. So for making a cake, you need flour, you need eggs, you need you need sugar, milk, and something like that. So in this example, concrete is cake, and cement is sugar. Let's say.
1: And and concrete is a very high, high producer of CO2, right? Indirectly, basically the the main CO2 emitter is coming from cement
0: production. So when you produce cement, lots of CO2 gets emitted to to the atmosphere. That's why concrete is a bit nasty, not because of itself, because of the cement. So cement production is a very energy intensive process. It's very CO2 intensive material as well. So imagine that production of one ton of cement emits about one ton of CO2 into the atmosphere. It's huge. The ratio is one by one. So one ton of c- cement, one ton of CO2. And in total, CO2 production accounts for about 5% of total CO2 emission in the world. So imagine only one industry, only one material, which is cement, accounts for 5% of the total CO2 emission. So it's a very, I can say that not very clean material. So that's why over the past several decades, three or four decades, basically 30, 40 years, So there have been some attempts to reduce the cement consumption and cement production. Because if you look at the concrete industry, imagine for each person a year, about one ton of concrete is cast and produced. So it's it's produced in a very large scale. For
1: each person on earth, one ton of concrete is produced every every year. year.
0: Exactly. For the bridges, for the buildings, for the foundations, for the dams, all of those
1: things. It's a very huge number. And that's why the production of concrete using cement is is accounting for about 5% exactly. of CO2. Exactly. Lots of cement also is produced. Exactly. What problem
0: is carbocrete solving? So we are not just solving one problem. So our technology, carbocrete technology, is a revolutionary technology. Why? Because we completely replace cement with steel slag. So no longer we are using Portland cement in production of concrete. So why, why that's a benefit? Because cement production emits carbon dioxide. So we reduce the CO2 emission into the atmosphere. That's one benefit. The second one, we are using base material of steel manufacturers, steel slag.
1: You said base materials? Uh, base. Waste material? Oh, waste
0: byproduct. Let's, byproduct material. So we are we are we are using and utilizing byproduct materials of steel manufacturers. In most cases, those byproduct materials end up in the landfill, or there is no significant application for those materials. So we are solving the steel manufacturer and the steel plants issues. And the third one, which is also is very important benefit of our technology, and we solve that problem is that we capture carbon dioxide into our product. So we permanently capture and put it into our product. And by that one also, we can reduce the CO2 emissions. So CO2 emissions reduction is coming from two factors. First, cement is gone. We do not use cement. And at the same time, we permanently sequestrate CO2 inside our product.
1: So you can say that this is a carbon negative concrete product. We have
0: done a life cycle analysis. And also, we we have asked another third-party consulting firm to do the life cycle analysis for us to see how it looks like. Is carbon negative? Is carbon positive? Is neutral? And we considered the whole span of, I mean, the whole life span. Let's say from capturing CO two to production of concrete and to the end of life span. And at the end, it was figured out that the whole thing is carbon negative the amount of CO2 that we produce during the production, during the capturing and during the whole thing is less than how much we put inside the concrete.
1: This must be very well received by governments around the world. What sort of reaction are you getting? All positive. All positive, not from
0: governments, from the industry, from manufacturers, and from even end user, the people. Because imagine our product Basically, let's let's say you are concrete maker. It's good for you. Why? Because the, f- the material cost would be cheaper compared to the conventional concrete. So it's good for you. You can you can reduce at a lower price. It's good for the end user because our concrete is stronger. It has higher mechanical properties compared to the conventional concrete and has better durability properties compared to the conventional concrete. And basically, you can put it. You can install it there and it's going to last for a longer time. Higher resistance for freeze and thaw and other other durability things. And at the same time, it's cleaner because it sequestrates CO2, absorbs CO2 and is cleaner. So that's why for that reason government,
1: industry and user people, everyone like the idea. And what's the potential for this technology? Is this something that could be rolled out globally or something that really is limited to where we are here in Canada? Definitely. We start from Canada,
0: but definitely we have planned to go globally to the US, India, China, those countries that they are producing steel and they are producing lots of CO2. So definitely we are not going to stay here. We are going to expand it to other countries because the potential
1: is huge. Yeah, this idea of waste being used to produce things is very interesting. I exactly. Think. So imagine we take the waste material and
0: we convert it to some value-added products. And imagine CO2, I mean, cons- in, I mean, in the past several years, CO2 generally is considered as a liability. If you are a manufacturer or if you are a government or any, anyone, CO2 is considered as a liability. So now we try to convert that liability to an asset. So for us, CO2 is not liability. We like CO2. CO2, we, we convert CO2 to some value-added product and we sell it. To the market,
1: you need it. We need it. That's that's really interesting, and I think that's quite exciting for the future. Is people like you seeing waste as as an asset? What was the process from idea to I have a viable or we have a viable product? It took several years.
0: Lots of disappointing moments. Lots of good moments. Maybe you don't. Maybe maybe you do not believe it, but it happens with some accidents. So. Again, I tried to work on several byproducts, materials. I got, I received samples from different factories, from different uh, industries, and I worked with all of those things. So I worked with fly ash, it didn't work. I worked with silica fume; it didn't work. I worked with wood ash, it didn't work. I started working with steel slag. I used a steel slag. And still it did not work at that time. Bad result, low compressive strength, low CO2 uptake, bad performance. Very disappointing. It was in the middle of my thesis and my PhD program. So in the, in, the, in the lab that I was working, we had a polarizer and we used that polarizer to make the slags, to make it to smaller size. In the middle of the testing, that machine I mean, I was, I was very angry and disappointed. I mean, I didn't get good results, and now another problem: the machine is broken. It's going to delay my my program for another few months. So, I mean, I was very disappointed at that time. So, but I had I had to deal with it. So, I, I tried to fix the machine. I talked to our technician. and I said that okay, it's going to take another three months if you want to fix. It. Forget. It. Okay, that's fine. So he said, okay, let's send out Slack to another third party lab in Ontario, Canada. So they are going to grind it for us because there is no equipment in our lab now. We send it out, shipping, it takes two, three weeks. I got back the materials. I start making concrete and samples. Suddenly I notice good results are generated. Now I notice that, oh, slag is working now. It's reacting with CO2. We can make concrete, put mechanical properties. And just I look at the results, I look at the the data, and I just noticed that they managed to grind it to a finer size, rather than what we could do it in the lab. They had a more advanced machinery, advanced polarizer, so they managed to make it uh, finer compared to what we did in our lab. And it was a, it was a good accident, basically. At the, at, at the first, it was really, I was I was very irritated, but at the end, it ends up with a very good conclusion. Well, I guess if that accident did not happen, probably I couldn't come up with that idea.
1: So during the two or three years that you are working on this, how many times do you think you failed? Unfortunately, a lot.
0: <laughs> unfortunately, a lot. I mean, uh, specifically in the beginning, it didn't go very well as we expected. And honestly, that's unfortunately or fortunate, that's the nature of working with concrete. Is not a uniform material and always, I mean, if you, if you do something today and repeat it tomorrow with the same thing, you get a completely different result.
1: During that failure, the series of failures, did you ever consider giving up? I was thinking, I was thinking of giving up,
0: but I was, at that time, my concern was, I tried to, to finish the program. At that time, my concern was, if I don't get any good result, how can, how can I defend how can I finish my program? How can I convince my supervisor that, okay, you know, you have good results. That's fine. You can, you can go ahead. So at that time, my, I mean, I wanted to finish my program. That was my priority. The main objective was to get the PhD. That, right? That's the only objective that I had at that time. I did not think about patents. I did not think about the company. I did not think about saving the planet. Nothing. Just get a PhD, apply for academic positions. Or apply for industrial position and leave the university. So that was my only and main objective at that time.
1: So there are going to be people who are listening to this who are creators and innovators, and people who want to be creators and innovators. What advice would you give to them when they've failed dozens of times and they they want to give up? I mean, if
0: you want to do something great, you have. To, I mean, you have to work hard. Definitely. In that period, you are going to fail a lot, but you shouldn't give up. That, that's that's, that's, uh, that's the main thing. But it's easy to say, but honestly, it's a bit difficult to do. It's easy to say that, okay, you can fail, you can forget it, you can move on, don't worry. It's happening. It's, again, it's easy to say, but practically, it hurts. It hurts, and uh, sometimes it's painful. But if you want to do something great, if you want to have positive impact in the world. So you have to take those risks and risks and those responsibilities.
1: Who was supporting you? You know, not, not necessarily financially, but mentally, emotionally. Did you have family? Did you have friends, your advisor? But definitely, I mean, my wife helped me a lot. My family, my father, my,
0: my, my mother, my brother, they helped me a lot. And definitely my supervisor also, he's, uh, he's, his name is Professor Yixin Shao, he's the prof, full professor at McGill University. I mean, he's a very nice guy, supportive guy, he's a very knowledgeable guy as well. So I mean, the family, prof, professors, my, my former supervisor, I mean, all of these guys.
1: We are talking to Merdad Mahutian, Chief Technology Officer for Carbocrete. When we come back from our break, Merdad will discuss Carbocrete's innovative concrete manufacturing process and how it can contribute to combating global warming. Hi, everybody. This is 12 Geniuses podcast host Don McPherson. IBM CEO Jenny Rimetti has said that artificial intelligence is going to change 100% of jobs, 100% of industries, and 100% of professions. AI is just one example of disruptive technology. Other technologies in market or in development will continue to change every aspect of life. At 12 Geniuses, we write, report, and speak about trends shaping the way we live and work. If these trends are important to you, we invite you to follow us on social media. And to book me as a speaker for your next event, contact us at future at 12geniuses.com. we are back with Merdad Mahutian. In part one, we discussed how he created a carbon negative concrete manufacturing process. Now we'll get into how this process can become a standard used around the world and a tool in the battle against global warming. The type of concrete that you're producing, are they just the blocks or what, what, do you have the capability of producing right now?
0: At this time, we have focused on precast concrete products like blocks, like concrete masonry units. But in future, we try to cover ready-mixed concrete as well. But at this time, we have focused on uh, precast concrete products. What what does it mean, precast concrete products? It means that those products that you can produce inside a facility, and then you can ship it out to the construction site. So this is called precast.
1: And the precast concrete market seems quite large. If you are driving around the city, you see huge bridge supports that must be precast. And, it, and you have the capability of, of doing those? Yes. I mean, precast market is huge. I mean,
0: about 30-40% of the total concrete market is precast. And by precast, it means concrete pipes, traffic barrier or New Jersey's, paving stones, blocks, and all of those products, basically. So we have developed some of these precast products,
1: and we are trying to develop more, basically. How is carbocrete making money or, because you know, you're not doing the manufacturing yourself? Our business plan is
0: to license the technology to the concrete manufacturers. That's the main way that we can make money out of the business. So we are not going to establish our own concrete plants rather than we are going to sell our licenses to, to the concrete manufacturers. So concrete manufacturers, now they are making concrete with their conventional process. When they adopt our technology, they can produce carbocritic concrete based on our technology.
1: What are the barriers to having these, these concrete manufacturers adopt this? They, they like the idea.
0: Their feedbacks, all of them are most of them I mean, all of them are positive we receive lots of positive feedbacks the barriers that these guys i mean the construction guys most of them are reluctant to change i mean they are they are most of them are old fashioned people they have been doing that business or that 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 process for the last 30 40 years they are happy with the revenue they are okay and it's difficult for them to make changes. So it's not like computer science or like computer things or high-tech stuff that every six months, every one year, every two years, you know, they come up with new idea and then they change everything. So concrete industry was there for, again, for a long time. I believe the main barrier is that they are relu- reluctant to change.
1: What would need to change? What needs to change in the typical plan that's manufacturing. Uh, they do, do, They have to do
0: some minor adjustments. So the majority of the process would remain the same. Just few adjustments uh, for the curing process. At the end of the, the technology, they need to add, uh, change the curing process. So now they are using steam and heat for curing. Now they have to convert it to CO2 curing. So that's, they, need, they need to do some... Some adjustment.
1: Is it price prohibitive? Do they need new equipment in order to do this? Well, it's up to the
0: plants. Basically, in some cases, they have to come up with buy new equipment. In some cases, they just need to renovate it and just make some modification, and it works for them.
1: And it would seem to me that government could play a pretty strong role in this, whether it be federal government or local governments to incent these companies to, to make this change. If it is, you know, truly helping the environment, how are you working with governments or communicating with governments in order to get assistance here? We, I mean, we received a major grant from the Government
0: of Canada last year. There's a program called STTC, Sustainability Development Technology of Canada. So it's a governmental fund. So we received a major fund to run a pilot plant here in Canada and we have a very good relationship with uh government of Canada government of Quebec and we are uh, we have been told that we are going to get, receive uh, more funding more support from the government of Quebec as well so we have a very good relationship with the government as you mentioned that this is some sort of new technology new era and without government helps and without the help of i mean we need policy makers to to help the process, to help, to help the, you know, that's it. the carbon capture utilization is new, is relatively a new concept. And it cannot be publicized without the help of the government. E- either it can be through the carbon tax, either it can be through the carbon credit, cap and trade, or whatever. So the CO2 producers or emitters should be, should be pushed by someone. Otherwise, they keep burning fossil fuel. Keep emitting CO two into the atmosphere, and they don't care unless someone pushes them.
1: When you think about waste and how it can be potentially used as a resource, what do you think about outside of concrete and outside of your area of expertise? There are plenty of
0: base materials out there. I mean, if you look at, I mean, it's not just limited to steel slag or plastic. If you look at to the aluminum production, they are producing lots of base at the end of the day, and mostly there is no application for that. If you look at oil sands in Alberta, in Canada, I mean, you know, at the end, there would be lots of ponding, there are lots of mess over there. I mean, there are huge potential and there are huge opportunities for converting base and byproduct to something. There have been lots of research I mean, it's the ongoing research has been done in the past doing, I mean, there are researchers are doing lots of research now and they are performing research in the future. And I'm sure that I, I see a very positive future, basically, because now the government, the society, the people has noticed that we have to do something. I mean, again, if you talk to people or to the government 100 years ago, no one cares about the environment, no one cares about CO2 emissions, no one cares about greenhouse gases. No one talks about climate change. No one talks about global warming. But now everyone has noticed the challenges and has noticed the the threats. So for that reason, the attentions are there. And uh, again, society, government, everyone knows that they have to do something. And one of the things, I mean, renewable energy is one very huge subject. Energy efficiency is one subject. And also recycling materials and recycling byproduct material also is another topic. So again, since the, the potential is there, attention is there, and the money sources are allocated for those projects. So in the near future, or maybe in the midterm future, I see that we will see that lots of technologies, lots of companies that are taking those buying product materials, those waste materials and convert it to some value added materials. I have read a report just, re- I guess it was re- released in 2018. By CO2 initiative, CO2 global initiative, something like that. So they came up with a study, and it's very—I mean—they came up with a very nice conclusion at the end. The conclusion that they estimated that by 2030, almost just ten years from now, the CO2 based market reaches to value of 800 billion dollar. It's B. So CO2 based market includes concrete, construction material, fuel, polymer and uh, chemical materials and all of those things. So it shows that based on their estimation and based on their report, in just only 10 years, the CO2-based market grows a lot.
1: So talk about what the CO2-based market is.
0: CO2-based market means that the materials or the products that are produced by CO2 or carbon dioxide, like concrete, like our, our like
1: carbocryte's product. So, so you're saying yeah. that that, Companies that are using CO two, this this thing that is threatening the Earth and causing global warming, is going to create a market that's worth eight hundred billion dollars in ten years.
0: Based on the report and based on what the community believes
1: that that's the case. And what do you think the current market is right now? Is not that much. It's very limited. Is is a billion dollars, ten billion dollars? Should be around one billion. $1 billion. So it's going to grow 800 times potentially potential. in 10 years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And this is happening due to the government's pressure and all of those, those things. And uh, based on the report, construction materials and fuels are the main markets and main products for the CO2-based materials. So it shows the potential. It shows the potential that CO2-based market is growing. It's going very fast. And people try to use those liabilities, which is CO2, carbon dioxide, and convert it to something. Then you can sell it. Everything has started from carbon capture sequestration. They said that, okay, power plants, cement factories, steel factories, aluminum factories, they're emitting lots of CO2 into atmosphere. They said, that okay, how we can deal with CO2? They said, okay, let's capture it and then sequestrate it under the ground. So basically, you have to dig the ground for one kilometer, inject CO2 down the ground, and it's going to stay there, hopefully, for a long time. But there are
1: some challenges for that. First, it's very long expensive. Time, long time, meaning hundreds of years? 10,000. Ten 10,000. Okay. okay.
0: The challenges are, first, it's very expensive. Second, you have to monitor it for a long time. And the third, which is... a The major concern for this technology, CCS, carbon capture and sequestration, is that no one knows what's happening in 200 years, in 500 years. Maybe there will be some faults, some cracks, and then CO2 pops up. And imagine it would be devastating. So it's going to kill lots of people, I assume. It's going to damage lots of properties. And it's it's not very good. I mean, they tried to come up with some models and researchers are doing some analysis to predict what's happening in 2,000 years. But honestly, those are some models and some software-based analysis. Earthquakes can happen, something can happen, who knows? And honestly, it's very. no one can guarantee that in 10,000 years, there would be no leaking. So it's almost impossible for anyone to,
1: to sign that document, I guess. Theoretically, when it's stored underground, is it stored as a gas? It's at the high pressure and high temperature it's converted if I if I'm
0: not wrong. It's converted to liquid, I guess.
1: It's liquid. Yeah, at oh, that okay. temperature,
0: at that pressure, it's converted to liquid. Okay. But again, it's a very very costly process, and uh, you have to first locate the right location for putting the CO two under the ground. You have to drill
1: it. You have to monitor it uh, every day. I mean, it's, it's a very it's a very. I'm asking as one curious person, just a one knowledgeable person. So it's. It's carbon and then that's oxygen, CO two, right? Can you separate the the C and the O2 and create just carbon solid, and then release the oxygen into the atmosphere?
0: If it's, even if it's possible, it would be very energy intensive yeah, and it's okay.
1: Okay. expensive. Yeah. I
0: mean, you can do anything, honestly. I mean, even you can convert, I believe, metal to gold. But it's very expensive. And yeah. I mean
1: well, you can create diamonds. No. Or you can create diamonds. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Artificial diamond, exactly. But you know, you have to see if it's, it's, it's economically it's
1: feasible or not. So so in theory it's possible, but it doesn't not be. easy. Not easy. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's not solving the problem we want. <laughs> it's not solving the problem we want.
0: So basically for the CCS technology, they see carbon dioxide as a garbage that you have to just dump it. You have to just leave it somewhere and then forget about it. In carbon capture and utilization, CCU, the approach is completely different. We are saying that, okay, we can use that CO2 not as, 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 as a garbage or as a, as a liability, rather than we can use it to make some product, that we can sell that product to the community. So basically, no longer CO2 is a bad material or bad stuff. We can use it. We need CO2. Let's, let's use CO2 and make something. And that's why the concept of CCU and the concept of CO2 conversion, the concept of CO2-based materials, these are different names for the same concept. Using CO2 to produce fuel, using CO2 to fuel concrete, using CO2 to produce agriculture products. That market and that technologies are developing and you will see, as, as I mentioned, by 10 years, there is estimation that the market reached to $800 billion.
1: That's incredible. That's very exciting. So I, I want to ask about your background. You, you came from Iran. When, when did you come to Canada?
0: Uh, yeah, I was born and grew up in Tehran, Iran's capital. I came to Canada in 2008. I got my bachelor and my master, in, master degree in structural engineering back home in University of Tehran and Sharif University of Technologies. And I came to University of Alberta. I got my second Master of Degree in uh, Material Engineering. And I came to McGill University and I pursued my PhD program.
1: You're obviously an innovator in the concrete industry, but you're also a warrior in the, the war against global warming. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about humanity's ability to address global warming?
0: No, I'm very positive. I'm very positive because, again, now the attentions are there the will to change is there. If you look at politicians, if you look at the financial guys, if you, look at, if you talk to engineers, all of them are talking about this challenge, this problem, climate change. If Again, if you, if you look at the news, almost every day there is news about climate change. There's a conference in somewhere. There's a talk in another university. I mean, it shows that there's a willing there. People want to... Have some positive impacts they want to change it they want to reduce the temperature they want to solve the climate change so for that reason i believe that the future is bright
1: well i appreciate your optimism and i share it as well Dodd, this has been a phenomenal conversation thanks for being a guest on the show and thank you for being a genius thank you for listening to 12 geniuses thanks also to the amazing team that makes this show possible Devin McGrath is our production assistant, Ryan Bierbaum is our research and historical consultant, Toby, Tony, Jay, and the rest of the team at GL Productions in London make sure the sound and editing are top-notch. To learn how 12 Geniuses can prepare leaders for a rapidly changing business world, influenced by shifting demographics, new technologies, and innovative business models, please go to 12geniuses.com.